This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Welcome to our second Total Saints podcast episode of the season. My name is Ben Stanfield and once again Adam Leach, Chief Sports Writer at the Southampton Daily Echo and Steve Grant, owner of saintsweb.co.uk and St Mary's season ticket holder alongside me. No competitive football since our last podcast guys so I'm assuming we're both still fairly uh, full of optimism or did Gladback drain that this weekend Adam? Uh, maybe a little. <laughs> it was a, yeah it was a Hot and sweaty day at St Mary's in uh, in more ways than one. I think some sweaty palms ahead of next Sunday now after that. Yeah, and Steve, you didn't manage to, to get down this week, but again, probably a good one to uh, miss from the sounds of it. Yeah, I mean, I've I've kind of gone on record of my hatred of pre-season and, yeah. uh, and pre-season friendlies for all kinds of reasons. But I mean, just the just the heat and obviously the I mean, we're, we're, we're still in the situation where we haven't got all of our players to pick from because of because of the World Cup and and various other factors and I mean obviously other other clubs are in the same situation but it does does make this this particular pre-season disjointed from from everybody's perspective I think well we'll uh, certainly come on to talk about that in a, a in a bit more detail um before we move on you may have seen earlier this week on our social media sites that happy hot tubs have agreed to become the podcast 2018-19 official sponsor they're based in Fareham but have shops um, right across the south coast 
Firstly, and most importantly, Adam, Steve and myself would like to say a very big thank you to James and Simon Hallett and the rest of the team at Happy Hot Tubs. Their help will, um, I hope, allow us to continue to make the podcast as good and available for you all around the world as we have so far. We're hoping to get James and Simon on the uh, the podcast soon to talk uh, about football and in particular Saints. They uh, aren't necessarily allowed to outline it on their social media channels for business purposes, but I can guarantee that they are both Saints fans, which is great. And uh, I think my hope, Adam, is that by the end of the season, the three of us are, are recording from a, a happy hot tub with everyone that listens to the pod sitting in a happy hot tub listening to us on their radios and their, their phones and their wireless and wherever. Well, they better get waterproof phones then. A lot of these hot tubs have those bits on the side for your drinks and phones now, I think. Oh, very and, nice. And disco lights. I take it they've got a nice big hot tub for the three of us. I mean, as much as I like you boys, I mean, that's I don't want it to be too cosy. Well, I don't, yeah, I don't mind. I don't know about Steve, but I'm, I'm more than happy to. But, uh... I, I value my space. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. So, no, absolutely. Well, as, as I say, on a serious note, um, you know, we're really, really grateful to, uh, to Simon and James and the team. You can find out more at www.happyhottubs.co.uk and you can get 10% off hot tubs, chemicals and accessories if you mention Total Saints Podcast in one of their stores. So expect to see Adam Leach rocking up at a store in the, the near future for a hot tub. Now, secondly, it was great to get back into the swing of things last week with episode 39. We had, I think, over 1,100 listens to it now. I appreciate it's pre-season and everyone's being driven by the transfer window, but it was nice to, to get off to a good start. And I've had um, an email from New Zealand already, and there was a, a gentleman, Graham, um, sitting by the pool in Sorrento that dropped us a line on Facebook to say he was enjoying it, and uh, someone else, I think, that was commuting in uh, South Australia. So really good and you know, really um, pleased that everyone's uh, enjoying it again, and hopefully we can get better at uh, entertaining throughout the season from now on on this week's episode we're going to have a chat about the performances both individually and as a team against Celta and Mönchengladbach look at both of yours and ours hopes and expectations this season including working through some of the tweets that you sent into us relating to that and finally we're going to preview the first Premier League game of the 2018 season for Saints at home to Burnley this is episode 40 of Total Saints podcast sponsored by Happy Hot Tubs HappyHotTubs.co.uk At Happy Hot Tubs, we specialise in hot tubs. It's all we've done for 35 years. So if you're thinking about a hot tub and want to speak to someone, then we're the place for honest, clear and friendly advice. Plus, right now we have 0% available on our hot tubs, meaning you can spread the cost in easy payments. You deserve happy. Come and get it at Happy Hot Tubs. Conditions apply. Visit HappyHotTubs.co.uk HappyHotTubs.co.uk 0% excludes free throw range. So Saints wrapped up their pre-season campaign over the last few days, coming back from 2-0 down to claw a 3-2 draw against Celta at St Mary's. Adam, I think that was right, wasn't it? And then a uh, pretty terrifying 3-0 loss against Borussia Mönchengladbach. You were at both games at St Mary's, Adam. What did you make of them overall, taking pre-season into account? Yeah, absolutely. As um, I think Steve made the point last week and again this week, and I completely agree that you don't ever take pre-season too seriously. I certainly don't take the results seriously I, I, as a general rule. I'm just looking more at what the performance levels are like. and But it, it is a weird one this year without wishing to make too many excuses because of the World Cup, having players coming back at weird and wonderful times. Um, it has made it a little bit of a shambles in a way. Traditionally, the, the last home preseason friendly, you would always start with the team that's basically going to start your first Premier League game um, and give them a good 70-odd minutes at least together. But... The way that this has been, because of the, how disjointed this preseason has been, they've actually had to be playing players who were just literally playing for fitness and game time, the same as, as those who were back 
uh, at the end of June to go to China uh, were in a, you know some time ago. So it's been a bit weird. I mean, the uh, the overriding feeling is, I would say, a modicum of concern personally, j- mm. just because I think some of the uh, weaknesses that we saw um, last season, which we did see Mark Hughes uh, improve upon, are still there now. But uh, I mean, we talked briefly uh, last week about the transfer window and and i don't honestly see it as a huge surprise because i'm not sure that that much major surgery has been done to a squad and a team that struggled so badly last season and and i just hope that we're not going to get into the situation again that we've had the last couple of years where it's all about the manager Mm. Puel's season that was all his fault pellegrino season that was all his fault and now we're with hughes Will it be all Hughes's fault or, mm. or will we just turn around and go, well, we like Mark Hughes, actually. We see he's quite a nice guy. So none of this is his fault. You know, it's all it's also been so manager driven, a lot of the reaction to, to what's uh, happened. And I, I actually think that, I mean, we've talked about it in some depth, I know, over the last year or so. But I actually think that's masked a few of the problems. Um, whilst we'll, we'll wait and see what happens. I mean, I, I, it's far, far, far too early to draw any conclusions. I think that there are still... Uh, signs that some of the problems that have dog saints have have not yet been adequately addressed we're a few days for the end of the window as we speak so there is still a chance uh, to do that though it does at the moment seem unlikely yep. Hughes seems confident I spoke to him afterwards he still seemed pretty chipper I think and pretty confident that you know there's a lot more to come so hopefully when they get the team fully together and fully fit fit there will be because I think it's going to be a weird start to the season for everybody as the World Cup players sort of find their feet uh, and we might see some very odd performances and odd results, I think, in the first month. Yeah. Steve, we um, we spoke, you know, and we've mentioned it again this week, uh, the fact that it is pre-season, but first half against Celta, they, they probably had, players-wise, almost their, their best and available side out. They carved us apart quite often, went in at 2-0, took some of those players off and we obviously fought back for that 3-2 win. Mentioned Gladbach, likewise, they're two weeks behind us, but again, carved us open pretty much for 90 minutes yesterday. When you see some of the goals that we uh, we ship, you know, against them, particularly Hoyt not tracking his runner and the keeper on the second goal, you know, a bit of a, a flap at it. I mean, we're a week from the season, and, and and as Adam says there, it seems to be the same sort of concerns in that we can't necessarily score goals against the better teams, and we we seem to be shipping them. I think that's 13 we've let in in six games now in pre-season, so it's not ideal, is it? It's not, no. But ultimately, it comes back to player availability. I I would think that if we had our best of an available back five playing we look generally a bit more solid mm. but because you're in pre-season and things are a bit disjointed you're chopping and changing a little bit to make sure that people have got minute are getting minutes under their belts you're seeing players not necessarily playing in the position that they would expect to play during the season I mean we've obviously seen Matt Target and Sam McQueen having to deputize at right wing back I mean I I find it difficult to believe that either of those are going to play a single minute in in that position once once the uh, Premier League gets gets up and running again this weekend. Mm. This this summer does seem to have been been about sort of just making do with what's with what we've got at our disposal at the moment. It's it's been frustrating. Again, it's di- it's difficult to kind of look outside of your own bubble, but I've not really been paying attention to what other other clubs have been doing, but I can imagine that many of them are probably having the same same situation. Yeah. I mean, as you say, some some issues that have been problems for a year or two are still very much in evidence. Defensively, we look 
I don't. I wouldn't necessarily say a shambles, but I just think there's there's an inherent weakness there, and I, I'm not quite sure what it is. Mm. I mean, I think one problem is that we're not giving ourselves any protection in front of us anymore. Yeah. Oriol Romeo's performances have dropped off a cliff in the last eighteen months, and personally, if we if we have any time between now and when the window closes at the end of this week, I would be looking for an athletic and strong. Um, holding midfielder because I don't think that Romeo is going to do what we need him to do in that position. Mm. I think that's going to leave the likes of the likes of Hoot and Bednarak, who are relatively inexperienced players, leave them exposed. And they and against top quality attacking players, you are going to get found out. Yeah, and all, all the four new signings have played their parts. Um, certainly against um, Celtalesso, maybe against Munchen Gladbach, but Angus Gunn. Alianusi, Vestergaard at centre back, and uh, Stuart Armstrong, who looked particularly impressive against Celta. What, what have you made of the four of them in uh, pre-season? Do you think any of them are sort of banging on the door for a start against Burnley? I, I imagine Armstrong and Vestergaard. Yeah, I mean, I would fully expect Vestergaard to be the the middle of the of the three centre halves. For me, he's going to be he's probably going to be the the sort of leader of the uh, of the defence. So he's going to have to um, organise the guys either side of him. And kind of develop an understanding with them pretty quickly because, um, obviously, as we've seen, we've shipped shipped a sackload of goals in um, in the preseason friendlies against kind of mixed bag of opposition in terms of in terms of their quality. He's going to be a massive um, a massive player for us in in that regard. I think mm. Armstrong, I would expect to be probably starting. I mean, I said in my uh, piece for the Observer this weekend that I thought Ward Prowse would probably be. Uh, in the midfield but looking at it again I think actually I'd probably only put Ward Prowse in there because I thought well who's going to be actually creating anything yeah yeah which kind of in hindsight is a little bit oh Christ that's Mm. um that's not not actually ideal but yeah I think I think Armstrong Armstrong will probably play El Yanusi by the looks of it is going to start on the bench Mm. um quite what that means in terms of how we set ourselves up I'm not too sure I guess if Redmond's fit and available, then then he might um, have the jersey to begin with. But we're, we're kind of guessing a little bit. As, you, yep. as Adam said, you kind of expect the last home pre-season game to be more or less the first 11. But, I mean, that's almost certainly not going to be the case. Mm. So I think we're we're kind of kind of tossing a coin for certain positions, I think. Um, I mean, Gunn's going to be second choice to begin with. Yep. Although, um, I mean, Alex McCarthy didn't really uh, cover himself in, in an awful lot of glory yesterday. But... Um, I think he's uh, he's got a free pass for a while, I suspect. Yeah. And what what about you, Adam? I mean, what have you made of the the new boys over preseason and the couple of games you've seen at St Mary's? It's pretty early to call, I'd say. I mean, the one that that has stood out has been uh, Stuart Armstrong. Yep. He's definitely stood out as being uh, the the best of the bunch. Vestergaard, I think, is very much still trying to get settled in. I mean, initial impressions of him. I mean, he is an absolute giant. He is huge. Mm. Um, so he is going to gobble up a lot in the air, obviously. Not particularly um, quick, though. Well, right. I was going to say, he is good on the ball, mm. which is interesting. But I think the problem, one of the problems that Saints have in their defensive three is a bit of a lack of mobility yeah. on the ground, which is worrying, uh, I would suggest, against some of the better teams that have got some very quick and agile players. I, I think I could foresee... Um, some problems being caused there unless Saints are going to play against those teams extremely deep yeah. with, with effectively a back five to try and negate um, getting cut open in that way, uh, w- which may be the tactic that they employ, of course. But 
Um, I wouldn't want them uh, pushing too far up the pitch with at the moment by the looks of it. Uh, Elianusi, just not seen enough of him to make a real comment other than he looks neat and tidy, little bag of tricks, you know, reminds me a bit of Dusan Tadic, if you remember him. Um, he was really good, but they yeah. sold him. So, uh, yeah, and then Gunn, yeah, again, not seen enough of him to, to really pass comment, but he's he's going to be second-choice goalkeeper anyway, so that's more more one for the future, really, I guess. Mm. So, yeah, I, I think in terms of what Steve said, uh, I think what's going to be interesting with the with the team is that I, what, what I've, has particularly struck me in the last couple of games uh, watching them is that I think Hughes has identified that goal-scoring uh, problem as as going to be a, the real issue, yep. which is why I think he's he's trying to find uh, ways to make sure he gets two strikers in the team mm. um, wherever possible. So we've seen him play uh, two up front um, as two strikers with kind of, but you you've got your back five or back three whatever, then two holding midfielders uh, and then the two strikers with a with a sort of a player in between as it were. We've also saw yesterday something they were obviously deliberately working on, which was kind of a diamond midfield type of formation with Gabbiadini at the head as a as a number ten yeah. off of Austin. So I think that this is for me this is promising in terms of uh, of Hughes as a manager because what it says to me immediately is that even though it's not ideal to go into a season and be worrying about the fact that you might not score many goals, at least we've, there is a manager there that's obviously identifying these problems and is trying to creatively use what he's got um, and not sort of just stubbornly stick with one idea mm. to, and adapting the players that he's got. And I think you know people have been crying out for two strikers in the team for one way or another because there is such a limit in the Saints squad of players who can actually contribute any meaningful amount of goals over a season, or so it's been uh, thus far, that actually to get in, find a way to get in two of Austin, Gabby, Adini, Long, uh, and, and then have Gallagher as your backup option if you need him, hmm. um, actually seems like a sensible plan because the, the truth is they are the three guys, uh, first and foremost, that are going to have to score the majority of the goals, you would imagine. Yeah, I think my my sort of initial concern is probably, you know, we we will score goals. I think, you know, they will come eventually. But the problem we've had over the last couple of years is if you're letting two, three in every week, then it's a real struggle. So I'm almost thinking, you know, it was evident yesterday with the lack of pace back there. Um, Vestergaard, for me, has to be at the, the heart of that defence, as Steve mentioned. But I, I'd almost be thinking you need some experience around him. So... There's been conversations I know people have had about bringing Bertrand into that left centre-back position, maybe playing Yoshida on the other side so you've got some experience. And then it does open the door for maybe a Matt Target to try and stamp his authority on the, the team as well because you, you need him to obviously play left-back. But Bertrand's pretty pacey, Yoshida's got the experience, and I guess they those three, for me, would almost complement each other quite well. But I think the problem there is that you're, you're putting your, your finger in one hole and taking it out of another, really, because I think one of the reasons that they're keen to go to the... Uh, to the back five, back back three, whatever you want to call it, is actually, I think they realise that in their squad, the highest quality uh, balls from out wide, which is ultimately what is going to feed Charlie Austin to score goals, mm. uh, come from Ryan Bertrand. Mm. And to get him in that left wing back position is actually to utilise the guy who is probably going to be able to create the most chances for Austin. Yep. Now, putting him at centre-back, I agree that seems like a sensible solution because you also do get 
uh, more mobility with Bertrand because he's pretty quick as well. And we've seen him play that position very successfully when he played there, uh, when Kuman went to a back three a couple of times when he was in charge. So we know he can do it. Uh, and we know that Target has a little bit of quality on the left. But I, I again, I don't think that's a, honestly a very realistic option because mm. otherwise, why have you accumulated all these centre-halves if you're going to go, OK, well, we won't play them, actually. We'll play Ryan Bertrand there instead mm. uh, rather than utilising him in his best position because otherwise, again, you're going, you've bought a load of centre-halves that aren't good enough if you're starting to think about moving Ryan Bertrand there. So yeah. I don't. it's something that I understand why people are saying it and I can see the logic, but mm. I don't honestly uh, foresee it happening because it's another kind of to me that would be another admission of getting things wrong in the transfer market yeah well I, I don't think Wesley Hoyt's good enough and I'm not just saying that because he blocked me on Twitter but uh, there we go anyway moving you on, are saying moving that. on. that is the, exactly the reason well yeah it's partly the reason but uh, there we go look moving on um, I, I forgot to ask you right at the start of this the most important question on everyone's lips Adam what has happened to the St Mary's pitch I know you explained it in a tweet but for those that aren't on Twitter or maybe listening to the podcast around the world what has happened to the St Mary's pitch well okay so a lot of people uh, um, said to me on Wednesday night when they had the first viewing of it this season, uh, the pitch is narrower and the conspiracies had already gone out as to what style of football this meant for Mark Hughes and <laughs> how terrible this was going to be for Saints fans. The truth is that they've they've shunted the pitch one metre towards the Kingsland stand right. uh, from the Itchin stand. The reason being that they needed to uh, widen the technical areas and the area for the subs to warm up as yep. well they yep. put this sort of red astroturf around as well around the sides which is um an aesthetic thing that hasn't actually got like a you know a practical reason for being there right. it's like an aesthetic thing a few other clubs have got it and it does look uh, very smart it would look all the smarter if the seats at st mary's were still red rather than <laughs> sort of faded pink, pink. <laughs> uh, so that's what's happened it, right on first glance, it does look like the pitch is narrower, but it, it really is not narrower. It has literally been moved. So if you're sat in the Kingsland stand, you're going to get a much closer view of the action. If you're in the Itchin stand, it's going to be a bit further away from you this year. Yeah. So, so you're going to struggle uh, but, then? Oh, I don't. I don't really notice half what's going on anyway. So <laughs> I'll be. As you probably gathered. Yeah, so. well, no, no, fair <laughs> enough. So there we go. So we're definitely not going to be playing uh, narrow football then. That's good to hear. Final question on this section, Adam. Sorry, it's, uh, it's for you again. Um, you, you mentioned sort of last week that Saints felt they were catching up a bit after the China trip and had, had really tried to make the most of France. Bearing in mind the results they've had this week and, and um, you know, what you've heard and what you've, you've spoken to the manager about after the game, do, do you feel that they, they feel subject to a good week of training they are ready for Burnley or do you still get that niggling feeling that they feel a little bit behind? No, I think, I think they're ready to get going now. I get the impression that, that they just want to get this started now. And, but that's how you always feel at the end of pre-season. I think you've kind of had enough of all that rubbish and you just want to get the, the real games underway and to try and get a sense of rhythm. Uh, for me, uh, I think the things that they need to do are not necessarily all things that you can work on on the training ground. The, the, I, I still believe that at this moment in time, the issues, if they are to have issues this season, who knows, maybe they won't, maybe it will go brilliantly. But if they are, they are of the making of the actual makeup of the squad, the players that they've physically got. Yep. So uh, more than it is about the formation or the tactics or needing to spend another week working with the back three or you know whatever mark hughes mark bowen eddie niswicky they are very experienced they've spent all summer working with these guys they're doing everything they can with them i don't think there's a lot more to be gained as it were i think that they're 
bang up for going. I think that if there are to be deficiencies, it's going to be actually because of the players that they've been given to work with and in their entirety as as opposed to needing more time. So I think that they feel as about ready to go as probably anybody else does. Just a quick point on the pitch thing, by the way. Um, for anybody who was whinging about, oh, um, the pitch has been narrowed, you're not actually allowed to, but there are now fixed dimensions that the pitch has to be in the Premier League. You don't get a range of, of yardage now that you can, you can set your pitch to basically because they got pissed off with Stoke making their pitch as small as it was possible to be. Who was their manager? Uh, that would be Pulis. <laughs> as part of our final preview show ahead of the season, we asked for you, our listeners, to get involved by answering the following question if you had one wish for saints this season what would it be it could be to win a trophy to score bundles of goals maybe to introduce more academy players into the first 11 or just entertain lots of you got in touch before we read the best ones out i thought it was fair to put our panel under a bit of pressure first so steve coming to you if you had one wish for saints this season what would it be and i'm sure with the power of editing we can make both yours and adam sound like you come up with them straight away <laughs> um, mine is actually kind of something I've already touched on by another holding midfielder who's actually going to do the job properly, right. which may may be controversial to some. I know I know Oriol Romeo is a popular popular player among the fan base, but I just don't see it to be honest. He wasn't hanging around with his tackles against Celta, put it that way. Well, yeah, but I'm not sure if he's um, just slow. Well, yeah, I mean the pro- the problem is that he's he's fouling people because they've already got past him. There's no real there's no real screen for the. Uh, for the back four or back five, however many we're playing. Yeah. And I think we we just need someone who's a bit more athletic. I mean, he's good on the ball. Yeah. But hopefully that player has to be better off the ball for me. Yeah. Have you got a realistic target of who you might go for? A, a Danny Drinkwater or someone better than him? I think Drinkwater is a very similar player to to Romeo. To be honest, he's yep. he's good on the ball. Isn't really a shield. He was the guy that when Leicester won the league, he was the guy that Kante won the ball for and gave it to. Exactly. So yeah, I don't I don't see him being the being the answer, even though he's very obviously available. Mm. Schneidlin, get him back. Possibly, yeah. I mean, we all, we all saw his performance up at um, up at Goodison Park in May, and he's he's the absolute shadow of the player he was when he left us. Mm. I can't think I can't think of anybody obvious off the top off the top of my head. No, but you you would you would like to think that our our scouting system's got a few people in mind. Mm, mm. Final, final bit on this, though. I mean, what, what about giving someone like Harry Reid a go? I mean, he's always been a bit of a terrier. I know he's not necessarily got the experience, but someone that would be keen to prove his point, surely. Yeah, possibly. He's, he's, he's played a handful of first-team games for us and, and has done OK. I think the problem with him, though, is that being at Saints under, what, four managers now, Yeah. and, and none of them have decided that he's good enough to be played to be in the squad on a regular basis mm. and while you can kind of put one or two managers not not liking the cut of his jib down to personal preference i think when you've got three or four of them coming to that conclusion i think you probably have to go with the democratic process i guess yeah yeah no fair enough all right and adam what, what about you what's your uh, one wish for saints this season oh well mine's probably a bit more vague i suppose in the I I would just like to have that feeling that we're back dealing with a football club again, mm. and not not a business, not a corporate entity. This is this is a uh, something that I imagine I will be sorely disappointed in. But 
Um, yeah. I was going to say, I, th- I thought this was realistic hope. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know, it's it's pie in the sky, isn't it? But, or, you know, the Southampton way and all this nonsense. I've just, <laughs> to be honest, it's just absolute rubbish. We all know it's absolute rubbish. I don't I don't honestly think anybody believes any of this. Um, there's so many little little niggly things that, that all feed into this that I just think it would just be nice if we felt like it, it was back watching a football club where the main aim was football and the mm. first team and things like that. As whereas I, I think it's been so sidetracked by other things. There's been so many distractions, uh, which is part of the reason that we've seen the slide that we have and I would just like it to go back to being focused on football yeah. focused on on a club that's based in a community the majority of fans uh, live within a commuting distance of the stadium the most of the people who spend the money do and you know just just to have a focus on on what it means to be Southampton mm. uh, if there were to be a Southampton way what what is it really beyond this vague bunch of absolute nonsense sort of vague principles that we've heard uh, maybe to even perhaps even find out what, what's going to happen with the owner and what what he actually sees foresees for the future and what he wants to do with it things simple things like that and i think these are pretty basic things but i think these are things that saints have got away from or if they haven't i think they've made a pretty awful job of attempting to communicate them because i don't think anybody understands them in the slightest so i would just like that sense of what southampton football club is to come back again this year though i I think as i say i'll be sorely disappointed because i expect it'll be uh more of the same yeah no i think that's a really good one and i think myself and many fans wherever they're listening will resonate with that 100 percent, adam so uh, mine's a little bit looser than that but kind of ties in with it really and uh it's probably going to sound rather ironic based on my uh, my normal sort of attitude to it but i think for me it would just be after a couple of seasons of uh of tactics of almost playing not to lose it probably does tie in with that adam which is getting back into really focusing on the football and going out trying to win games trying to be sort of glass half full rather than glass half empty um Mark Hughes has said to you this week, I think, hasn't he, that he's looking to to make it exciting for fans this season. And uh, I think for me, you know, if we can actually go out into games trying to win them, trying to take the game to to oppositions, that's that's what Saints have always done over the years when they they've been best at when they sit back and let teams come at them, they just carve us apart. So for me, I think it would, my my wish would be just to go out, whether it's Manchester City or Cardiff, you know, with the the view that we can beat these guys and we're going to give them a good game. So we asked them um, fans obviously for their views as well. So quite a few came back to us. Um, the the key one really I think was um, entertainment that was certainly the big winner so I won't read all of them out but we had um, quite a few people come back and say that they felt for, for them the one wish was really to see Saints entertain which I think probably ties in a little bit what uh, Adam and myself have said um, at Louise Burke underscore definitely entertain and do better against the so-called big sides we need to see more positivity and a continuation of the team spirit that we ended last season with Steve Jones is a mate of mine at Fleet Saints entertain and play with confidence and positivity particularly at home too often in the past two seasons we've been far too negative especially at home Ed Pickett at Ed Liner Kick gives something to watch SMS. For 18 months, the footballer has been as welcome as a fart in an elevator. Signings look good and we have improved the squad, so let's see some goals and not the turgid nonsense we have sat through the last year. And a couple of others, Neil Langridge at Sub Irony. Survival is a basic requirement, a trophy is a dream, a single wish, that's realistic and fits in between those two. How about one of those brilliant games we all remember for years that makes the team special? Adam, how easy do you think it is for Hughes with this team to really come out and entertain this season? 
Well, I, th- I think that this season is going to be more entertaining. I'm much more optimistic about that because I think uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think they're a team that are going to concede quite a few goals. And I think that he realises that therefore they need to try and score some more. So I think we're going to see some more entertaining football. And when I spoke to him on Saturday, I asked him whether he was feeling um, a weight of expectation at all because he'd sort of been hailed as his saviour and hero and the man who's going to turn it around. And perhaps there was a slight edge to my question in that I had half thought myself, as I mentioned earlier, this all seems a bit optimistic because, you know, it doesn't matter how great Mark Hughes is as a manager. If you haven't got the tools uh, to work with, it's going to be a difficult ask anyway. Um, But to be fair to him, he was uh, very upfront, very like, basically made made the point he doesn't talk down expectations he's never done that he's not going to start now he's not going to play it down he thinks they've got what they need to go and do well so therefore he's he's going for it so I think we will see more entertaining football I, I have a feeling that this year we will see with the way Hughes is what a winner he is the way he sets teams out we will see them give some of the big guys a run for their money um, they'll certainly be more streetwise playing those teams I suspect we will also see a couple of days when it clicks and we get some huge thumping victories. I, I foresee that under Hughes as well. I also foresee, given the nature of the team they've got, we could have a couple of horrific days, <laughs> you know, a, a heavy loss to a Cardiff or some at home oh, or something no. like that. Oh, I think no. these things, but I think this will be the kind of thing. This is entertainment though. This is what people are asking for. That's a, an element of unpredictability. Mm. No, absolutely. A, a couple of other people um, got in touch as well. So a couple of people mentioned um, goals. Ray Cleaver at Anglesey Saint. I'm going for a player getting 15 plus goals because that would ensure a more entertaining season, but also greatly enhance the chances of winning a trophy. At Lynn underscore Garrett agreed with that. Goals, please. When they come, so will the entertainment. Um, a couple of people had come back with um, um, sort of different ideas. John Chilbury at John C. Tilbury. No more conceding goals in the last minute or so. Last season, gut wrenchers at Man. City and Everton for example I just can't take it anymore that sounds to me Adam like the Southampton way these days it's um, defeat from the jaws of victory I think but uh, there we go um, at Moresby 1 um, he had about 18 wishes in one go here he said JWP performs so well he gets an England call up Gabby plays like he's in the cup final and challenges Austin Redmond realises potential and we chase for Burnley's spot in Europe um, and just finally a couple of others um, a couple of people both mentioning the same sort of thing around trying to get a new winger in so Kev at iPokriot a Manny replacement because it's well overdue, and Nicholas Saki at N Saki 10, a new winger who will stretch the play and run in behind the defence and provide good service for Austin and Gabbiadini. Ideally, Quincy promise. I'm not sure that that's going to happen, but we can live in hope. The final couple that I just wanted to touch on, Steve, Alistair Downs at Saint underscore L 1976. Regardless of the opponent, go into every match with confidence that will give them a game, especially the so-called top six. And Ryan Taylor at Ryan underscore Saints FC. 24 league games without a win against any of the top six since Spurs away in 2016, which I'm sure you're at, Steve, needs to be addressed. These are the games fans look back on. So I know that we won't necessarily start the season looking to to pick up points or or many points against the top six, Steve, but how important is it after the last couple of seasons that Saints really try to give the big boys a a good game and try to give the fans some memories? Um, I mean, the club has kind of had a probably 18 months to two years where they've kind of lost a little bit of goodwill from people and yeah I mean as you say the one of the ways of sort of recovering that situation and getting people back on side is to at least give the impression that you're competing on a level footing with some of these clubs most people 
I mean, I know fo- football fans get a, get a bad rep and rightly so in, in many situations with the sort of tribalness and the, um, sort of delusion of, of various things. But most football fans, I think, are relatively realistic about their own club's fortunes and what they should realistically be hoping to do. Yeah. And I don't think it's beyond Southampton Football Club to be at least competing on a, like within 90 minutes against these big clubs. Yeah. I don't think that necessarily means you go out and try to out football Manchester City because that's stupid. You're going to just get picked off and you'll get thumped. But that's where, that's where the management comes in and that's where the players tactical ability to listen to what the manager wants and come up with a plan that, I mean, let's face it, nine times out of 10, we'll still lose to Manchester City. Yeah. Um, but on that one out of 10, where you get a little bit of a chance and a bit of a foothold in the game, as we did home and away against City last season, it's about having just that, just that little something that's going to be able to um, actually hang on for that result rather than everyone sort of patting themselves on the back after a, after an injury time defeat where actually losing in, losing an in injury time is probably the worst feeling. Mm. Um, you'd almost rather get done three nil where they've just, they've just turned up and they've, pl- they've played you off the park and it's like, well, what can you do? Yeah. I think the gut wrenching 94th or 96th minute defeats that we had against them last season were probably worse because mm. we deserve something out of both of those games. Yeah. But they were the they were the exception rather than the norm, I think, against the against the big sides. I mean, yeah, I mean, part of it is resource, and mm. we don't have resources that those clubs have. But some of the bigger sides, I mean, particularly Liverpool, because both league games against them last season were absolutely pathetic. Yeah, yeah. Liverpool, with the people that are that are at that football club now and have been in the past four or five years, those, I, I mean, I, I don't, I'm not all that bothered about us. Uh, giving Man United a bloody nose. We've we've done that many many times in the past. Liverpool are the ones at the moment yep. who I want to smash in the face. Um, and literally, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. If if we get get results against those, get um, Virgil Van Dyke crying rather than grinning yep. at Marys, then. Then yeah, great. Totally agree. Um, just just briefly on Nicholas's uh, tweet um, before we move on, Adam Quincy Promise, yes or no? Will he join us this week? No. <laughs> I thought you might say that. Total Saints Podcast. Total Saints Podcast with Ben Stanfield, Adam Leach and Steve Grant. Sponsored by happyhottubs.co.uk. As mentioned earlier, Saints kick off their Premier League season against Burnley next Sunday, the 12th of August. Adam, in light of Burnley's ventures into Europe, for which we should, uh, I guess, really congratulate them on after their last season's efforts, do you think it sort of makes it even more likely that they'll come and uh, maybe sit back at St Mary's and look for a draw being acceptable and sort of try and nick anything else they can, bearing in mind that they will have travelled to and from Istanbul, I think, on Thursday? Well, I don't think that makes any difference. I think that's what they would have done anyway. So I'm not sure the travel is... Perhaps the travel just gives them a better excuse to do it. I don't know. But I think that they would... Yeah, exactly. Well, I think they'd do that anyway. I mean, I wouldn't be at all surprised if Sean Dyche actually leaves a few at home uh, for Thursday night's trip. They're they're away from home. They've got the second leg at home, which is a much more comfortable position to be in. 
they could go there with a very defensive sound. Bear in mind the defence that they, you know it's not going to be a problem for those guys to play two games in a few days with a with a fly in and out, mm. um, and perhaps leave some of the you know more creative players or you know one or two like that back at home ready for the Premier League start, and then they can use them next Thursday for the second leg if they require them. I wouldn't be surprised at all if he does that, but I think we know what to expect from Burnley. I just think it's an important, really important game for Saints. I just get that sense that especially, obviously most people don't go to pre-season, they don't see it, but they see the results, and there's a already that sort of mood of, uh, especially given Saint, the odd, odd thing is Saints did their business early, so people were really excited about the signings. But then because that kind of has petered out, mm. as it were, because they've done the business early, there's now a lot of uh, people who are sort of a bit, well, why haven't we signed anybody else? And, and to be fair, in, I think you could argue maybe they do need one or two more, and certainly uh, perhaps they needed one or two different positions than the ones they recruited. But nonetheless, that's a separate discussion. Yeah. I, I, I think there's already this... Um, feeling of a little bit of like oh here we go again mm. oh they can't score they're conceding goals all over the place oh you know and so i think they need to get off to a positive start they need a fast start anyway because of the fixtures yep um they do need to get off to a good start but i think that burnley game could really set the tone if they turn up uh and they play really well and it's you know it's good football it's it's a good win I think that could really set the tone for sort of a positive season under Mark Hughes and people thinking, yeah, this is the guy who can kind of deliver what we've been asking for. Uh, well, so I guess the flip side of that is to, to go away with a bit of a turgid draw or, or even worse, but let's not even think about that. But a turgid draw would be a feel a bit like, oh, no, here we go again. Then all of a sudden, as soon as you're off on that footing, you go second week. Who have we got? We've got an easy-ish start. Everton away. Oh, that that looks really difficult now, doesn't it? All the yeah. money they've spent, and yeah. we're going away from home. We're normally terrible up there, but but you know, it's so easy to for the momentum and tone to be set so early on. I know um, Laurie McMenemy's. I've I've done his column with him for the Echo for many 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 years, and he's always said to me, as a manager, he basically used to pray the first game was away from home. Yeah. He basically that would be the answer to all his prayers because he'd say it gives you that chance to. Anything you get's a bonus. If you lose, it doesn't matter. You're settling in. They're enthusiastic. As well as when you're at home, if you don't get off to that good start, it really sets a negative tone. And it can be quite hard, even though it's a long season, it, but it just in that short-term period to kind of get over that and, and really get people back on board because then you go away from home the second game, inevitably, if you're at home the first game. And so if you haven't got a great start and then that's compounded as you expect it to be, then it, it suddenly there's a there's a... Uh, downward momentum rather than upward so i think it's a really big game for saints regardless of what burnley do they just need a positive start yeah so that was a yes they will sit back and go for a draw and anything better than that yes excellent good okay um and uh, i mean you mentioned it there just briefly we are notoriously slow starters i think it was what was it coventry 1-0 1990 something with egg Ostenstad. i think it's the only time we ever won in the premier league on the open day so they they had a, a fairly friendly start to the the fixture list last season steve they've they've as adam mentioned there you know it does look quite friendly through august in terms of not playing any of the massive big boys and even everton you know i think they they won their first pre-season game 22-0 against those farmers and they've not won a game since you know how important really is it for saints to get off to that positive run starting with Burnley because everybody has seen the fixtures that we've got in the early part of the season and thought well yeah I mean we've got to make a good start here because otherwise you end up playing catch up um, we're actually quite fortunate with our fixture list this season in that we don't have that sort of little clutch of 
three or four games against the big boys on the bounce mm, yep. that we've had in previous years, which have tended to be sort of filling everybody with dread and you kind of have to build up to them and, and do quite well. But particularly given, given the circumstances with, um, as you say, Burnley being in Istanbul on Thursday, I mean, it's, it's going to, it's going to take a bit out of their players. I mean, their, their preseason has been completely disjointed even more so than ours because of, because of their involvement in, in the Europa League qualifiers. So it's meant that they've had to, they've had to give all of their first teamers have had to play every preseason game because mm. they need them fit and sharp a lot earlier. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was wholly unimpressed with their performance against Aberdeen last week. They were, they were very, very fortunate to get through that. I thought, mm. um, Aberdeen could have been could have had two or three in the first half of that game. Yeah, and yeah, they they were not they were not particularly impressive. Booed off at half time, and I mean they scraped through. Which I mean to be honest, the way the way it all came about was absolutely perfect for us. Um, so obviously we're gonna we're gonna completely screw it up. <laughs> yeah, but for them to have been taken all the way to extra time in a in a tough physical battle against Aberdeen. I mean their their second string got done by Espanyol this afternoon. I think right. Um, so they've they've not had a not had a particularly good summer themselves. Mm. As you as you say, it's already set up for a one 0 away room, really, isn't it? Well, possibly. But <laughs> at the end of the day, if you can't beat a side who have played three days earlier, yeah, then I mean, particularly when they've travelled, was it about four and a half hour flight to Istanbul? Mm. The the conditions there will be hotter than they are here, I would assume, which means it's going to be pretty damn uncomfortable for them. Yeah, if we can't get a victory or at least or at least a positive performance i don't mind us necessarily drawing the game mm. if there is something for you to kind of cling on to at the end of it yeah indeed so just just finally on burnley then adam if, if we assume that hoyt vestergaard and uh, bednarek are the back three the keeper is mccarthy cedric is playing bertrand is playing in in light of sort of mario lamina who's not necessarily done much in pre-season and didn't necessarily seem to do much against munchen gladback who's your two and your four up front Oh, oh, that's difficult. I mean, it's, it's very hard to know because it's difficult to say without knowing really what formation he's going to play. Mm. So, I mean, I, I am uh, much more forgiving of uh, Oriol Romeo than Steve is, so I would definitely have him in my team. I guess Austin inevitably is going to definitely start. So then, you know, I think Armstrong will play. Yep. Um yeah, I, it's, it's pretty difficult from there. I think you can take your pick. There's a lot of players uh, in amongst the others there that I, I guess you just take your pick from. I would probably go for Hoiberg myself, personally. But I think from Southampton's point of view, in Lamina, they feel like they have got a very talented player. It's just a case of can they get the best out of him? Can Mark Hughes sort of wring it out of him? At times you feel like that's kind of the way it needs to happen because he seems to be one of these guys who's just very inconsistent because Lamina may or may not show up from what we've seen so far. But I guess yeah. I guess maybe if you're going to give the benefit of the doubt and say you're starting with a clean slate and, and things like that under a new manager, maybe it is worth trying Lamina to begin with, but, you know, accepting that he is uh, the, the most talented. I think the one thing about Lamina, especially you saw anybody who saw the Munchen Gladbach game, was that I think he's more interested 
when he's playing a more advanced role. Yeah. Um, he's obviously we know he's he's good at that. When he suddenly became the sort of defensive shield player for a little while, he began to look a little bit disinterested in in that position and in that role. Maybe that's unfair. Maybe he was just fatiguing. Maybe he was tiring. But that was just how it came across from the stands. So I, I, I that and I don't think that's a position that really suits him. So I'd like to see Saints avoid that position for him this season if possible. I was just going to say on Mario Lemino, it's a shame he's not as uh, pacey across the pitch these days as he uh, seems to be around the streets of Hampshire. But uh, there we go, moving on. Um, right, time to, to start our ill-fated predictions uh, again. Um, I'm, I'm going to try and take it seriously this season, Adam, because I know it means a lot to you. So let, let's start with you and then you can sort of set the, the, the sort of benchmark, really. So what do you reckon the score will be against Burnley? Oh, predictions are dead to me. I'm all about fantasy football now, as you oh, know. That's not even started yet. You can't. That's next week. Hasn't it? No. Does, does no. the friendlies not count? No, they don't count. Oh, mate. for goodness sake! Somebody tell me the rules of this game. I don't. I don't. Anyway, just, right. Um, what 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 game? The prediction game? No, I know the prediction well, game. Yeah, you just I, predict I the score for next week. Um, it's not that complicated. <laughs> One nil to Southampton. Oh, clean sheet, blimey! Right, Steve, what do you reckon? Yeah, that's that's the problem. I was I was kind of thinking one nil, but then I realised the error of my ways in that that would involve <laughs> us not conceding. Um, We've so, got to go for a lot of two ones this season. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think that's, that's going to be my only choice on this one. Yeah, uh, yeah. Ooh. Two what two one Saints? That sounds like it, Steve. Yeah. 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 Just about. Yeah, good. Jesus. All right. Well, I, I'm going to start the season as I mean to go on, Adam. Um, <clears throat> so I've gone. <laughs> so I've gone for one all actually. So yeah. I knew you were going to say one all. <laughs> I knew you were going to say one all. And you were going to say Sam Vokes. Oh my God! The right. score and late equaliser. got right. So I've actually got on my notes for uh, everyone can't see this, but I've got Ben hyphen one all semicolon Vokes for them obviously. Thanks for listening to Total Saints Podcast this week. It's always gratefully appreciated. And thanks to all of you who sent tweets in. Don't forget, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, SoundCloud, iTunes and Acast. We're on all of those sites. You can also email us at any time, totalsaintspodcast at yahoo.com. Just before we go, Adam, as you know, the podcast has been asked by PBC Sport to provide content on Saints for their transfer activity for their deadline day live commentary should i be expecting a busy day in out at st mary's or do you think uh, it's more of a sleeping bag and a good book i think if stuff happens a lot of stuff's going to happen um so strap yourself in right but the more likely scenario is that nothing will happen at all i think basically they're in a uh, sell before you can buy to get the kind of quality of player they need and because they don't ideally unless anything changes obviously don't want to have to sell uh, a, fr- a front line player it would have to be a case of trying to cobble together a few smaller sales right. um, to, to, to do that but I think if they can't uh, get all of those over the line and get the deal incoming deal uh, sorted out sort of all in a one yep. as it were which would make it very busy then they're not going to just pick one or two off to sell if that makes sense they'd rather keep everybody together so yeah. probably either a lot or the much more likely scenario is nothing 
Fair enough. So, okay. Well, I'll, I'll actually be in uh, Italy for a wedding, so I'm kind of hoping it's not too busy. But uh, obviously, if it is busy, I'm certainly hoping that the uh, hotel Wi-Fi uh, is uh, reliable. But uh, on that note, I must give a quick shout out to a, a good mate of mine, John. Um, he's a fellow Saints fan who lives in Edinburgh. He is uh, the one man I can rely on to listen to this podcast every week. And uh, he's uh, getting married to Lisa next uh, Friday in uh, Italy. So I'm looking forward to going over to that. And as a Saints fan, I just wanted to give him a quick shout out and uh, wish them all the best for the future. Thanks again for listening. Let's hope those wishes, as we mentioned earlier, come true, all of them ideally, and that Saints have a season to remember. See you soon and keep marching in. as good as it gets on this stage Nissan Townstar EV strikes again it's an unstoppable van unstoppable Look, just fantastic you can actually see the pro pilot technology in action effortless parallel parking it moves with all the confidence that comes with a five year warranty and with a bench full of all star van experts there's real strength in depth here that's all star quality search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all star van centre to see for yourself Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. This is Roundabout Season 2 and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. (laughs) (laughs) You will be fine. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. (laughs) This was like wilderness. A lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, (laughs) you, you were different. Like you were real different, bro. I can't really put my finger on it. And so much more. Just goes to show that unexpected things sometimes are the best when it comes to a road trip. Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now with new episodes rolling out every Thursday. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.